Welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G NBA podcast. First things first, the most gentle apology of all time. Sorry we missed you last week. Uh, it's been busy, busy times, but we are pleased to be back. Uh, and even better news, I've managed to pin down Adam G, who is in the midst of an all-American road trip, big-ass van, open road, live football, watching the NBA in the evenings. He's living the dream. Uh, so we're going to get right back into it. But if you have a second, please do give us a review if you're living, uh, listening week after week. We really, really appreciate it. And we are loving seeing the listener stats grow every single time we take a look at them. So thanks for your support. Keep on sharing it. Keep on reviewing. We really, really appreciate it. Let's get into it. And now, as promised, we have the great man on the line all the way from... What American state, Adam G? We are on the Cal- or coming from the border of California and Nevada. And where are you this second? This second in a bar, a casino. You might hear the occasional winning, uh, winning slot machine <laughs> here and there. Uh, right at a little bar lodge, um, just in Topaz Lake near the border of uh, Nevada and California. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, I hope you don't lose any money tonight, Adam G. We had to get you in this week. Let's talk about the Cavs because uh, the early season overreactions are at last kind of maybe sort of starting to look like overreactions. The Cavs have had a very, very good fortnight. They are just winning. Just And like I still don't think they give a shit as much as what they should in on defense, but... They're still managing to win. Yeah, and actually, the guy, the guy, the guy who's actually showing that he cares the most on defense looks like Dwayne Wade. I, well, Coming from there's been a watching him on the Bulls, I know, but watching him on the Bulls, not care about anything or anyone or any part of his offense or defense or any play at all. To watch him actually give a shit on defense and look, if you have a guard that wants to lead the league in blocks, then fine, like go for it. But just amazing watching them actually give a shit. It's it's now ten in a row. And look, the ten teams they've faced haven't been especially great. I mean, you can no. count some wins against New York who have been all right. They beat Detroit comfortably, which was a good win. Um, but you can't knock 10 wins. Much that's like a very good win. Yeah, that's a very good win streak. Yeah, now and, and we'll get on to Detroit. I yeah, I don't want to go too far on Detroit because it's still a stand-bending on the coach team. But they beat your Celtics. And you know what? They actually looked very well coached. Their rotations were beautiful. The defense was beautiful. They put up over 100 and I think it was over 110 points against a Celtics team that had been stingy on defense, number one in the league. They looked really, really good and hard to guard. Yeah, and so for the Cavs to beat them with the best centre in the league in form, in Andre Drummond, who was one of your top... Yeah, he was one of your top five early season surprises. He is he is arguably in a first-team or second-team All-NBA centre. Well, against the Celtics, at least, um, he looked completely unstoppable because you couldn't foul him deliberately... He made you hyper-aware no matter where he was on the court. 
He was a pest on defense. He gobbled up rebounds. I think he had a 20-20 at halftime. Like, with him doing what he's doing and Tobias Harris becoming just a slightly better player every year and it's kind of like, you know, caught us by surprise. They're really good. AB looks good. I'm very happy for Avery Bradley out there. Yeah, it's been a good result for the Pistons and for the Celtics in regards to that trade. Um, but, yeah, look, the Cavs keep winning. The Celtics are still rolling and the Pistons are showing up to be the most improved team in the East. Okay, but with the Cavs, you kind of enter in this really interesting stretch. You're expecting Isaiah Thomas to come back from his hip injury sometime in the next month. We can expect him back. I think that's going to dramatically change that team. You won't be needing Kevin Love to be a hero and a distributor and Dwayne Wade to be anything more than a corpse. Like, he's going to completely change that team. But in the meantime, they've, they've lost their other point guard. Derek Rose has just kind of hit the road and said he needs some time away. And he's, he's nursing an ankle injury is my understanding, but he's also contemplating retirement. What do you know, Adam G, and what do you think? What I know is that injuries take a lot more of a toll on you than the physical harm and the scar tissue and all that. They take a very hefty mental toll on you. And I think there comes a point in any injury-prone person's life where you get sick of it. And I think Derek Rose is sick of getting injured. And it's really sad for him because he was so exciting and everyone loved watching him. And he was he was a league pass alert player just because of the crazy finishes at the rim and the way he could take over a game and how much he wanted to take it to Brandon Jennings and Jeff Teague and <laughs> all the other Eastern Conference shitty point guards that thought they were good. Um, and how much he like stepped up his game against Chris Paul and Deron Williams and all that back then. But uh, it's just sad that his career has... He's played 46% of possible games since 2011. And that's sad. So that's a, he's, he's played less than half the games for the last six years. And I think uh, if he's contemplating retiring, despite having an $80 million Adidas shoe deal, it really shows that he's willing to sacrifice all that money which is a lot of money, for the sake of his own mental health and his own well-being, that he, he just can't keep doing this anymore. No, he can't. And I, I do, I do empathise with that. And the saddest thing was that this was a great year to flip the script for him. There would be a whole lot less pressure. He was, he was drafted or traded or signed to be a backup point guard eventually to Isaiah Thomas. He didn't have a whole lot of, like, this is the season where he didn't need to have a whole lot of pressure on him. He could just be a solid contributor on a championship-threatening team. And, you know, I I hoped that, you know, with that less burdensome task, with the fewer minutes he would hopefully see um, and a kind of established team culture and chemistry rather than chaos and disorder, that he could have a year where he kind of quietly succeeded and this, this, I mean, it's another cruel injury. What are you going to do? Yeah, and look, I think the best case scenario for the Cavs is uh, Isaiah Thomas comes back to be your lead point guard and Dwayne Wade is your backup with LeBron with second units. Um, and that's your point guard rotation. Mm. 
I, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens when IT comes back. But I would just fucking love to see Derek Rose play some meaningful minutes in the playoffs, even if it's, you know, 22, 25 minutes a game and come in and make an impact. And at 29 years old, maybe just end his career on a high. Yeah, and look, I wanted this guy to win a championship or at least have a chance to win a championship. And now his career's gone as far downhill as anyone you can ever think. I mean, there was the Derek Rose rule made for him specifically because his first three years in the season, he was, what, rookie of the year, MVP and first team All-NBA. And, you know, he created his own version of the max contract because he was so good in his first three years. And and now he's he's earning $2.1 million on a veteran's minimum as a backup point guard to a guy who's injured for the first half of the year. So it's it's sad. Um, but, look, we'll pour some out for Derek Rose. Pour some out. Uh, yeah, for his career, for his... Look, and hopefully he he has a good either rest of this season or rest of his career, or if he retires, then all the best to him. And he gave me a certain, certainly gave me a lot of good highlights and good memories. Here, here. Adam G, before you have to go, I know you're on the road. I know Nevada is calling. I want to talk about two real poo-poo stories, two shitty stories out in the West, two depressing stories. Two dysfunctional stories. The first team has lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games in a row since their star player went down. And that terrible streak has been uh, made even worse by the fact that that team, the Memphis Grizzlies, has fired their coach, David Fisdale, who maybe one of the most beloved and respected coaches in the league and the kind of guy that seemed to embody the chemistry of the team, the consistency of the team, a guy who's stuck up for his players, and Fizz is gone. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Why do you sack a guy after 100 games when the first sign of any disagreement with one of his star players haven't? He apparently had some kind of disagreement with Marcus Gasol and ended up being that Marcus Gasol got benched in a fourth quarter and because of that, they got fired. Oh, he got fired. Players and coaches have disagreements over and over again. And in fact, good coaches, in honest with their players, they will have many disagreements and many fiery conversations with their players. But you don't then sack the coach or get rid of a player because of it. You let them deal with it or you work out a way for them to deal with it. And this is absolutely crazy. It's really important to remember what happened immediately before this uh, loss streak. Um, You know, their star point guard is out injured and they've not won a game since he's been out injured. Mike Cottonley matters to that team. So... While they've been on a losing streak, they also started the season fucking hot and all cylinders were firing and they were at top of the West for a while. I think they were 7-2. and two. But this, this kind of overreaction to Mark Gasol's pouting after being benched, and he did pout. He pouted. He came out and said, they did that to me because they knew that, would, would, that was uh, what would hurt most and they never would have done this to Mike. Yeah. And the fact was they were down big to the Brooklyn Nets 
and the bench unit made a comeback and Fizz, you know, despite the fact that there may have been things happening behind the scenes and tensions boiling over, Fizz said, you know what, these guys brought us back into the game, so I'm going to ride them out. A decision coaches make Yeah, and every most day. star players, yeah, most star players at one point in their career accept that, hey, I'll let the bench do it because there are 82 games this season. It doesn't have to be a str- every single game I play every single minute. Sometimes I have to cheer on my teammates as well. That's right. I mean... The other thing, and um, this is an interesting conversation over at the Ringer this week, is this idea that not every player reacts to the to- uh, coaching techniques the same way. So where some yes. guys might, um, you know, get really fired up if you swear at them and kind of, you know, shame them in front of their teammates for a poor performance or a poor decision, other players tend to go into a shell and get spiteful and start kind of turning on the coach. And, you know, they, they flagged that Mark Gasol is this guy and he went to a private school and both his parents were doctors and maybe a hard-on-his-sleeve coach like Fizz, um, while he would endear himself to a lot of the other guys in the team, maybe he could rub a guy like Mark Gasol the wrong way. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it, and to, that's a very high possibility. Um, but that's where, that's where we don't know what necessarily happens behind closed doors, and that's where a good coach, no matter the background of the player, a good coach or the best coaches work out a way to communicate with their players. And that's the difference between the average coach and the best coaches, that top tier where no matter where the player comes from, no matter their background, their education, their personality – their likes, dislikes, whatever, that coach knows how to communicate with them and get the best out of them. And look, for the Grizzlies, it's not it's not the worst situation, but if, for whatever reason, Fisdale could not communicate with Marcus Sol and maybe he's not a good enough coach, then they're not actually losing that much, even though at the moment it does seem very, very hasty to get rid of him. It does. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Conley does come back. Um, okay, really quickly, our second poo-poo story out in the West. Such a poo-poo. It's a real stinker, this one. It is uh, the 8 and 11 uh, Los Angeles Clippers um, who look utterly discombobulated. Look, they managed to eke out wins against the Lakers and the Kings and to beat the absolutely terrible Hawks this week. But prior to that, it was a, uh, I think it was a 10-game losing streak. There is no amount of Blake Griffin that can offset Austin Rivers regularly running this offense. Yeah, and Blake Griffin's out for two months now, isn't he? Yes. So, uh, the, yeah. And this is the worst 8-11 and 11 team I have ever seen. Yeah, I looked at the record. I'm like, they are so much worse than that. Like this the, feels like a 4-15 and 15 team, not an 8-11 and 11 team. Agreed. And so, yeah, sometimes, sometimes records lie at this stage, and the record never lies at the end of the season. But at this stage, the record is lying to me. They look terrible. They are terrible. They've lost a point guard who we thought might have been a good trade asset to get rid of. But ever since they got rid of Chris Paul, I mean, this team is, what is going on? 
And I'd hate to say it, but I think Doc Rivers has sung his song in Los Angeles and it's probably time for him to go. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to laugh at the Washington professional football team managing to have 13 players on the field when you are only allowed 11. Oh, well done. And they, yeah, they didn't actually realise that they had 13 on. That's, well done, that's how smart they are. Well done, I, well done. I told everyone, when they're just in the same ballpark as Jeff Green, the Cincinnati Bengals, when you trust a team like that or a player like that, sometimes they just screw you. Um, Don't go trusting Sorry, Jeff where were we? The poo-poo clippers. The poo-poo clippers, Doc Rivers, do you think he needs to go? Oh, can you get anyone better? Maybe not. But is it time to go? Probably yes. There, there is a new Sometimes coach in the market, Adam G. There is a new coach in the market as of this there week. There is a new coach in the market that we have spoken about. And, and sometimes it's not always about can you get someone better necessarily. Sometimes it is actually that it is the right time to go. Like get rid of the coach. Sometimes it's just it's been too long or he's not at his best, whatever. Sometimes and I believe it is the right time to get rid of him, um, unfortunately, even, though, even if they can't necessarily find someone right now to be better than Doc Rivers. All right, Adam G, let's wrap it up there so you can uh, get back to the important things in life like drinking and getting a little bit closer to the heart of Nevada. I actually think we should end this podcast uh, by pouring one out to Coach Fizz. We're going to play in full his legendary playoff press conference from last year against the Spurs, or pardon me, last season, which is a must-listen uh, it's an all-time example yeah. of a coach wearing his fucking heart on his sleeve. Here's to you, Coach Fizz, and here's to you, Adam G. Thank you for taking the time on the road, you beautiful motherfucker. We will speak to you soon. Uh, everyone else, keep listening, keep reviewing. We're here for you. And thank you, Adam G. Thank you very much, Adam B. I love you. I love you too. Very poorly officiated basketball game. Um, Zach Randolph, the most rugged guy in the game, had zero free throws, but somehow Kawhi Leonard had 19 free throws. First half, we shot 19 points, shots, 19 shots in the paint, and we had six free throws. They shot 11 times in the paint, and they had 23 free throws. I'm not a numbers guy, but that doesn't seem to add up. Overall, 35 times we shot the ball in the paint. We had 15 free throws for the game. They shot 18 times in a paint and had 32 free throws. Kawhi shot more free throws than our whole team. Explain it to me. We don't get the respect that these guys deserve because Mike Conley doesn't go crazy. He has class and he just plays the game. But I'm not going to let them treat us that way. You know, I know Pop's got pedigree and I'm a young rookie, but they're not going to rook us. That's unacceptable. That was unprofessional. My guys dug in that game and earned the right to be in that game and they did not even give us a chance. All right, thank you. Take that for data.